to Women Wars Tribe Thrive, helping women and workplaces go from idea to impact without burning out. Today's topic is the three foundational legal documents that all business owners with a website need to protect what you've worked so hard to build. My name is Andrea Carter. I'm the founder and CEO of Wealthy Women Warrior. And today I'm so excited to host Heather Pierce Campbell, attorney and legal coach, founder of the legal website Warrior. I love Heather's name. Clearly, we share so many values, sentiments for warrioring on in business and in life. But more so, the reason I really wanted Heather to come on today's episode is to help all of you who have a website and are building your businesses so that you protect what you've worked so hard to build. And that doesn't matter whether you've got a side gig or whether you're really just starting out or whether you've been in business for, you know, five to 10 years. This is all relevant to you because what I've seen over the past four years is a massive digital, social, and technology disruption. And it's catching up to us in business. And while I appreciate, you know, Canada, we're just not as litigious as the U.S., but we also have more stringent regulations that are starting to get small businesses in some hot water when they don't have the appropriate documents in place. So Heather, you know, you're an expert in this field. You're a woman, you know, I've personally worked with, I love, I've learned from, in fact, all of the Wealthy Woman Warrior website legal documents are from Heather's expertise and her coaching. Yeah. So that said, you know, you're going to want to stay until the end of today so that we can provide you with a URL that will take you to some of Heather's free legal support documents. And I guarantee you're going to want these after listening to today's episode. So let's jump in. I can't wait. I'm like literally itching to introduce you to Heather so that we can cover these three most important documents and why everyone needs them so that they protect their business themselves and their website. Welcome, Heather. Thank you. So good to be here, Andrea. Oh my gosh. I love people who are able to say with a genuine smile on their face, like, yay, let's do something <laughs> <on> that, right? <laughs> I know. It's so funny because so many people, and you probably get this all the time, but so many people think that, oh, it's a lawyer. Oh, they're just going to tell you you need this stuff. But I can genuinely say this from my heart. And, you know, as I'm looking at helping, um, women in workplaces, you know, go from idea to impact. These are some of the things that people just aren't paying attention to them. And it used to be you could like slap a website up or you could slap a blog up and it was no big deal. But with all of the new regulations and with all of the changes, these are things that business owners really need to understand. So your business is about helping business owners legally protect themselves, their products, and their services. And um, I know the answer, but I'd love for you to share your background, how you got into this like specialized field of law, because there aren't too many lawyers that are in this field, and why you feel so passionate about helping business owners protect themselves. Absolutely. So I, because um, I know we've got a short window of time today, I'll give you the shortened version of the story rather than the long one. But, um, you know, reason number one that I am so passionate about entrepreneurs just generally is I come from a family, you know, and my, my parents, my dad is 100% like in his bones an entrepreneur. And so he actually was a veterinarian by training, but ended up getting out of veterinary medicine and doing, you know, all sorts of things in business and even alongside his veterinary practice, which he did when I was a teeny little peanut. Um, 
Like I remember going by his vet clinic and he would like desack a skunk. And so it smelled like skunk forever outside. Yeah. So, like really little, but really like memories, you know, the way that children form them, they are burned in with smells and sights and sounds. But there was a point when I was about five where he had a chat with me about, and I it was probably starting kindergarten about getting good grades and the reason that you get good grades is so that you can get a scholarship and go to college. And if you don't do that, you need to save money and pay your way through college. And the only other option, if you don't do either of those things, is you need to be a phenomenal athlete so that you can get your, you know. <laughs> I'm five and I was a pretty serious kid, but I really like took this to heart. And so as a teeny little person, I mean, when I was in first and second grade and I was trying to figure out all the time how to make money, how to earn money, how to save, because I I just felt the weight of like um, really being self-reliant and self-responsible. I mean, obviously I wasn't at age five and six and seven, <laughs> but, but my dad, I mean, we did. So that started young, right? Raking yards, mm -hmm. raking leaves, mowing lawns, like doing everything possible. By the time I was in first and second grade, I had a paper route. You know, I was buying and selling cars by the time I was eight and 10. Wow. So I was a saver. And, you know, by the time I was in high school, I was buying and selling like collector type cars that, you know, we would restore and were worth lots more money. So it was just, it was my path to not only be raised by an entrepreneur, but have that in myself as well. And I think it's a combination of the fact that I got the lecture early and I was a serious personality. Um, and I think some entrepreneurialism is inherent in some people. So I relate really strongly to entrepreneurs. So that's just a foundational piece of who I am and why I love entrepreneurs so much is I know their path. I've lived their path. I've seen, you know, for the, I mean, my entire life, I've seen my dad's journey through his entrepreneurial, um, you know, different ventures. And so it's, and it's something that, brings me a tremendous amount of joy. So even when I graduated law school, like I didn't go on a traditional route of, you know, getting a job at a big firm and getting mentorship in that way. Like I hung my own shingle and I reached out and got my own mentors in the community. I'm a real connector. And so I loved like creating my own thing. But after practicing law for, gosh, at the time it was probably 13, 14 years in, I saw there was a whole segment of our business and business and real estate is where I was at. There's a whole segment segment of our market that was tremendously underserved. And I say our market, our business market that was tremendously underserved by the traditional legal services, right? They just weren't getting their legal needs met. And I have friends in that space and I have for my life been a consumer of business material and self-development, right? So who are, I mean, when you think about the world of online entrepreneurs and people, I say online, they're not just online, but that's a component of what they're doing, right? Um, when you think about that world, like these are folks that live and breathe business and self-development, right? Though, I mean, that road is so strongly intertwined. And so there were lots of reasons I feel like I got led to this place, but I spotted this gap in the marketplace and I knew people that were in that place and I related so strongly to them. And I just thought, you know, we're not serving them well. I need to come up with a model that does. 
And so I just created a secondary business to serve people in that space. Anyways, so that's, you know, you can see there's a lot there, but it, I care very much about people who are working to deliver something in the world, create something in the world that is literally like their heart and their passion and what they should be doing versus going to a job. And there's nothing wrong with a job. I just believe so strongly in supporting people in being successful at what they should be doing because they're doing it from their heart in a place of passion. And I want everybody to win. I want them to be able to take care of their families and contribute to communities and support causes in the world. And to do that, to do that, you have to have certain supports in place. Yeah. And I think, you know, really when you treat your business like a business, that's where you're seeing, you know, the, the margins change between the people that are just trying to figure it out versus the people that are getting to success marks within their business. And, you know, when we look at what's imperative in today's digital marketplace for small business owners, the topography has changed and it's changed tremendously even in the past two, three years. So now we have this complete, um, you know, digital disruption and a lot of business owners don't have the right legal documents in place to protect themselves. So let's, let's dig into this a little bit. Like why is it so detrimental of a business owner this is one of my favorite things because women go, oh, no problem. I just copied this. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to bring this question up because so many women go, oh, no problem. I copied it off of another oh, website. Covered. That's right. So, I've got it covered. Right? Like, why is it so detrimental if a business owner copies legal documentation from someone else's website? Great question. Because it's, it's fascinating to observe that people will do that. Even when they may not, they might pause before copying other content, right? So they, if if you were to go to somebody's homepage and they had a description of their services or what they do or how they serve their clients, people might pause, not always, some still, (laughs) and I have to hunt those people down sometimes, but um, people might pause, pause in taking that kind of content. Mm-hmm. versus taking legal content or something else that they consider bland or boring or, you know, whatever, mm-hmm. however you want to describe it. And yet the the challenge with that is that one, you're still copying somebody else's work. Actually taking legal terms is copyright infringement, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. If you don't have permission and you don't, and not only permission from the person that you might be copying from, but the actual author. It's likely that they probably didn't author those, right? So there's a couple legal issues involved, but also you don't know that it's a fit for your business. And when it's not, having a copy of somebody else's legal terms can cause you more problems than it can help you, you know, in many scenarios. So as an example, I got a phone call from a woman one day who wanted me to um, support her with her her client services agreement, right? And I said, great. So we get that going. And then she says, oh, by the way, would you take a quick look at my website documents? I think they're fine, but would you just look at them and tell me if you see anything missing, right? And I get this a lot. And usually almost always there's lots of things missing. So <laughs> I go and look and and because people don't understand what should be there, what shouldn't be there, you know, it's okay. I don't expect you to, but what you should know is that 
copying a template or copying somebody else's work is not not generally going to be a fit and can do more harm than good like this woman who when i took a quick glance at her terms i said to her now you're based in florida do you realize that if you had a situation involving your business that resulted in a dispute you'd have to go litigate in california she was like what <laughs> <laughs> you know small thing but it would cost a lot of money and yep. it's a huge headache to have to defend the legal action in california your business is not based there like it you know stuff mm -hmm. like that that seems really like a simple oversight but is not and you know depending on what your business is doing depending on what data you're collecting i mean there's so many factors that you know yep. that influence this scenario sure and even from you know in canada you know every province is slightly different mm -hmm. and um you know our our laws in canada are also different from the laws in the us okay. so what i found really um amazing to look at was you know not only do the legal terms change um but how they're presented is mm -hmm. in fact very different and because there's so much that's being kind of loosely handled and dealt with. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, of recent, we just saw um, there's a really big um, financial market for women. And there was a small business owner who had copied one of their terms. Mm -hmm. And she was claiming that it was her new blueprint. And you know, sometimes this happens because entrepreneurs just don't do their due diligence and don't even do something like a quick search to see if somebody else owns the name. Now, I don't want to get into intellectual property or trademarking or, or any of that just yet. We'll do that on a different call. Mm -hmm. But um, what I wanted to look at today, because these are clear things that that people are doing without realizing it sometimes, mm -hmm. right? Um, and and then what happens is that they end up in quite a bit of trouble. Mm -hmm. So let's talk, let's stick with our website for now. Yep. But you know, what are what are we really protecting ourselves from? So can we start with the top three legal documents that everyone should actually have so that they are protected in the digital marketplace? Yep, absolutely. So the core document, so we'll do a quick run through. Understand that each of these, like we could go very deep. I mean, you know, Andrea, we had a whole separate call on each one. <laughs> She's like, oh, don't remind me. Um, no, are you kidding? It was fabulous. It was, um, you know, one of the reasons why I'm, I'm advocating for this and why this is so important to me and why I really want you to share mm -hmm. is because what I learned about the the legalities of each of these three elements, plus more, like we didn't just do these three, but but what I learned has really made me feel safe and secure. And um, in a way, because what I shared with you, Heather, was that I had actually had all these documents done by uh, a different company. Mm -hmm. And um, just like my intellectual property, my trademarking and all of that for my my wealthy woman warrior and um, all of the terms that I have prolific mindset blueprint, like all of those things that are trademarked. Mm -hmm. um, I ended up having to hire a secondary uh, lawyer because they didn't specialize 
in this content. That's also something that a lot of business owners don't understand. So for me, I really do have a, a real passion for going through this and explaining this from an expert in their field. And, and truly, I see you as the as the legal website warrior and the expert about that, uh, based on everything I've learned from you. Well, and it is, I mean, that point that you make about having to, you know, visit several attorneys and people having different areas of strength. I mean, it's as true in law as it is in medicine, right? You don't see one doctor in medicine for all the things that you might need assistance with over, you know, your various, um, these journeys in our bodies, just like in law. I've been contacted by people around the world who find me through Google searches and say, I've tried to connect with a local attorney that knows this stuff, like people in Australia, people in the UK. I've had lots of people actually in the UK say, I can't find somebody who actually knows this world of business. And like when I described my business to them, they just kind of had this blank look, you know? Mm -hmm. So my goal is to make it so much easier for people to just understand what are the basics, because it's actually not that hard, but what are the basics? What do you need to be online safely? Because you're right that the online world used to be like the wild west of business. People could slap up a website, start selling stuff, and they really didn't think about anything else, and, and especially not legalities. But now we have all of these privacy regulations mm -hmm. catching up with us. We've got all sorts of other, um, you know, laws and some of those are local, some are international that are catching up and are really having to change the way that we do business. So the core documents that essentially anybody that is running what I'm going to call a, you know, modern day business website um, are threefold. The first are website terms and conditions, right? And these are, these are your ground rules. I want people to understand that, and you know, you've been through the training, but not until somebody like literally walks through at least the documents that I build, do they understand how much actually gets covered in basic, you know, basic website terms and conditions. Um, it's there are so many things that uh, we need to address because in the world of um, well, just being online, period. But most of us are sharing information online through our business. Mm -hmm. We're giving tips or advice or we're we're sharing information that literally can change the way that somebody else does something in their own life or their own business. And although we can intend, I mean, we know how we intend for people to use this information. We don't get to control how they do end up using no. it, right? So this is where liability comes into the pictures. People can do all sorts of things with the information that we share that might cause us liability, might cause them liability if they use it wrong. So our website terms and conditions are our ground rules. They cover everything from letting people know what we expect of them and how they're going to use our website and what limitations of liability we have in place around the advice and the information we share. Um, your website terms and conditions, if they're done right, should also include proper disclaimers, right? We need to disclaim certain things, meaning that people don't get to rely on our information for certain reasons. So for example, I might share legal information, but it is not legal advice through my website. I can't give legal advice through my website, right? I have no way of knowing that that information is a fit for the person visiting my website. Mm -hmm. So we're all, depending on what we're doing, probably needing to have certain disclaimers in place. 
Mm -hmm. Right. And a part of this, well, we can talk about it briefly, is if you're in the financial world and you are sell, you are providing or selling courses or information that helps somebody improve their financial scenario or make more sales in their business or anything related to income. Yeah. So these would be, you know, everything from financial advisors, coaches, consultants, yes. digital marketers, social media strategists, um, Help coach anybody in the family lawyers. You know, these are things that we're we're not maybe thinking is our problem, Mm -hmm. and it very much is our problem. Even bloggers, like I think that this is one of the things too that we mistake. Oh well, I'm just a blogger. You know that that doesn't relate to me. But every single time you post something online, you run the risk of being misinterpreted or being um, having content stolen and then your content is misrepresented and move forward. And um, these are important elements. So these website terms and conditions, that's such an integral part now of having a website. That's right, which is why I call it your ground rules, right? Because it covers, like you just mentioned, what people can do with your intellectual property that's generally available to anybody that visits your site. There's a lot to cover there. So um, even though this one is not required by law, if you are serious about your business, you have this in place or you get you get it in place because you don't want people visiting your website and ripping off your content and duplicating it as their own. And the, the, um, for me, the most important part actually about putting these documents in place for people is helping them understand what they do, how they're protected, best practices around using them the right way, right? Because Mm -hmm. people also, um, like, you have to understand what does constructive notice mean? Like, there's a lot more than just the documents, right? And that's, that is also the part that's missing in the marketplace when somebody grabs a template or borrows their friend's contract and plugs it in. Like, there's no education around what the document's doing, how to use it the right way, but what best practices look like, etc. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But moving on from website terms and conditions. Yep. The next one, and this is critical, is your website privacy policy. So this entire document is really all about uh, providing your website visitors, your customers, your clients with information about what you are doing with their information, right? We all should be collecting data if we've got website visitors. Like you just shouldn't be online and not be collecting data. And it's a tricky area to be right now because we have all of these privacy regulations catching up with us. So you just need to understand what you're doing and you need to know how to do it the right way. But nobody should have an email capture form, a, you know, a freebie or a lead magnet, any kind of giveaway where somebody can just even enter their you know first name and an email. Um, or truthfully, you shouldn't even be running Google Analytics or any kind of analytics program. Even without an opt-in form, mm-hmm. you shouldn't even be running analytics without a, a privacy policy. Yeah. So, because um, unless you've built a website, most people don't understand the extent of information even captured by Google Analytics or you know one of the equivalents. Well, and to be fair, most business owners have not stayed up to date 
on digital best practices. Mm -hmm. So they don't understand the difference between a website front of house. They don't understand the difference between their CRM and their emails that they're sending back of house. And they definitely don't understand the interface between their opt-ins and all of their sales funnels that are happening online. So until you learn those elements, you know, you really don't understand the complication and the hot water you can get in if your website privacy policies aren't in place properly. And, you know, I've been super fortunate. I've never had any problems, but I am now starting to hear Canadians getting in big trouble for this because they're copying elements that are happening in the U.S. and we're not permittable. Like it's not permittable in Canada for us to do these things because we have commercial email, but you have to have a way for them to opt out. In Canada, you need to have not only an opt-in, but a double opt-in to even right. be able to do that, right? You have to, anyways, it's, it is a different world and people have fudged, have fudged that for a long time. For sure. The thing to know generally about a privacy policy that's done right is you are letting people know what data you collect, how you collect it, why you collect it, how you keep it safe, how they can get out of your database or modify their information or have it all deleted, right? All of the things. And especially if you don't have geographical boundaries around where you are doing business, this becomes super critical. Absolutely. And then let's look at our last document. That's so important. Absolutely. Terms of purchase. So for anybody that is doing any kind of sales online and you should be right. Part <laughs> <laughs> of the point. Um, is you need to have terms of purchase in place. These protect you from a variety of angles, but primarily they protect your intellectual property. So people often don't think of contracts as a way to protect intellectual property. But when you have a contractual relationship in place, which you absolutely would when somebody is buying something from you and they are required to consent mm -hmm. in the right way to your terms of purchase, your terms can say, again, Here's how you can use the information being provided within this course or program or digital download, whatever it is that you're selling. Here's how this information cannot be used. You can carve out protections around what they can and can't do. And that can be spelled out in your terms of purchase. The other thing that terms of purchase, um, the other thing that it does for you that's critical is if you do any amount of business, then you're going to have a merchant account in place to handle all of the sales, etc. If you have a chargeback request, which truthfully for any business online, is just a matter of time. I mean, percentage wise, those are creeping up, but they um, they can cause a real hassle for small businesses because they cost you on average three times the amount of the original sale to resolve to deal with the chargeback request to often refund that money or have to pay fees in addition. So it's, it's a really expensive process if it happens and it takes up a bunch of time and it's just a hassle. So the first thing that you'll get asked if you have somebody request, like go to their credit card company and just attempt to do a chargeback, or if they request a refund, right? Is you've got your refund policy spelled out inside of your terms of purchase. But when the credit card company or the merchant account comes to you and says, you know, look, we've got this customer of yours that is requesting a refund request, you know, initiating the chargeback process, where are your terms of purchase? If you don't have any, they just hand back the money. Right. And, and so that, well, if you, go ahead. Go ahead. 
Well, <laughs> well, it, what I was going to say was like that very core piece of protecting your sales funnel, your online sales funnel. If you don't have terms of purchase, you can get in hot hot water because if that happens a couple times, you can actually just have your merchant account closed down. They'll just stop allowing you to do business. Yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because I think that in general. Um, we're not, people are not reading their contracts. So whether it's, it's a contract for the terms of purchase, um, cause there's so much bad information out there right now. And what people aren't doing is they're not reading their contract. And if you're not reading your contract and you don't also, that's an indication that you also don't have contracts in place for yourself. Mm. And if you are not reading contracts and you don't have contracts in place for yourself and your terms of service, not only are not treating your business like a business, mm -hmm. but your clients can't go back to their initial terms of service and their initial um, contract and say, oh, well, I was, this is what I was supposed to do. And this is what they were supposed to do. And if you haven't outlined that, that leaves elements open for misinterpretation. And it's one thing if you misread it or you aren't clear, mm -hmm. but it's another thing if you just don't have these elements in place. That's such a huge point that one of the, the biggest things that contracts do for people is in the event of a dispute or potential confusion, if you've got them in place and they're clearly drafted, you can just say, oh, here's the, uh, here's the original terms, right? Here's our mm -hmm. contract. It acts as a container for the relationship because you can both revisit the language. And if it's clear, it's going to define exactly what should happen in that scenario, or at least give you some guidance on, you know, how to resolve it. And if, it, if you don't have that, like you don't even have a starting point, you end up negotiations take longer, you end up maybe in a dispute resolution process. Whereas if you have a contract, you at least have the potential to have a quick conversation about it and have it resolved. Mm -hmm. 100%. Well, there you have it, Tribe Thrive. What you need to do in order to make sure that you protect what you've worked so hard to create. You're going to want to go on to our URL, which is http colon forward slash forward slash bit.ly forward slash legal website free tools. And those URLs are on the video here or in the sidebar as well. Thank you so much, Heather, for joining us today. You've provided so much value to our listeners and you've been masterful with myself and with my clients. And thank you just for sharing these specific three foundational legal documents that all business owners with a website need to protect what they've worked so hard to build. Oh, absolutely. Um, it's so important for us to look at these elements and, and thank you for helping me help other women and workplaces go from idea to impact without burning out. What I would encourage all of our listeners to do as well is make sure that you go out and pay this forward. You likely know a friend, a colleague, you know other people in business. Share this with your network so that they protect themselves moving forward. Thank you again, Heather, and thank you all for joining us. Have a thank great you. day. Yeah.